And here we go. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah, real ones. You know the sounds that are coming through your speakers right now. That's those milli beats banging through your headphones, stereo, and any other way that you're listening to this podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. And welcome for the first time to all of our brand new listeners to the Unbiased Truth Podcast. I am your host, the number one real one, Cameron A. Sharp. Uh, yeah, keep playing those beats, Millie. Let's go. Hey, okay. Okay. Yeah. Man, it feels so good to be back in front of this microphone speaking to the real ones around the world. As you all know, it is March. We are zooming through. 2023 and the, the person that i have on this podcast with me today actually did an episode with me about a month and a half ago but technology failed us technology. and i wasn't i wasn't able to really get the the episode to sound the way i wanted to even though it was an amazing conversation we talked at length about our experiences but i feel like now man we can come back together again and do it just as good as we did the last time you Let's know what it. i'm saying so as you all know uh march 9th marks three years since i left the country for the first time a lot of you all watched my journey as i began to get ready to leave the country while i was trying to get my passport together or i'm trying to figure out how i feel about asian countries in general all of the things i was going through my mind with being the first time i was leaving the country um it really was built around anxiety i had no clue about the things that i didn't know and as i got the chance to get out into the world a little bit more i realized i didn't need to know much i just had to trust what i already had been taught and so when i got out to that new country man i didn't really see many people that looked like me but luckily for me there was the internet and on the internet you can find people that are doing similar things to what you're doing even people that are just like you in different countries that are looking for support looking for somebody to just pour into and be a blessing to them and while i was over in japan i got the chance to meet a lot of amazing people and it was due to this group that was called black in japan black in japan had a lot of people posting their endeavors out in japan and since it was such a rare time in the country due to the pandemic a lot of people weren't going out as much as i thought they would you know people were staying inside being safe which i'm all for that make sure you're safe healthy not causing anybody to get sick that's what we're here for right want to make sure that we're all being humanitarians but i started to notice that this one guy was going out and doing things that i like to do this guy was going to temples he was going to mountains. He was going and, and, and interacting with the wildlife. He was looking at cherry blossoms as they fell f to the ground and, and was walking around really enjoying nature the way I felt like that's how we intended to enjoy nature. You know, unencumbered by anybody, just really out there loving life and, and appreciating where he was at the time. I was in Osaka, but this man was on the other side of the island, like I said, doing exactly what I wanted to do. And I am more than blessed to have him here again on the Unbiased Truth Podcast. I know him as Jatendo, but I'm going to let my guy introduce himself to the real ones. All right. So <clears throat> hello, everyone. Welcome again to the uh, Unbiased Truth Podcast. My name is Jakeem, a.k.a. Ja Tendo. 
Yes, the man Jatendo is here with us, yo. Jakeem and I actually got the chance to see each other's journeys through that group. We never actually physically met in person and still haven't, but I feel yeah. like our spirits are linked mentally. We were riding the same frequency when we mm-hmm. were over there getting the healing and the blessings that we deserved while in that foreign country. Man, Jakeem, um, where did you get the, the name Jatendo from? Before we even get started, where, where did the name come from? <laughs> so, um, there's two layers to it, right? So when I was in high school, you know, everyone knew me as the GameCube dude, the Super Mario Zelda dude. So I was like, hey, you know, I like Nintendo. I'll just call myself Jatendo. That was like a nickname that I gave myself in high school. Nice. Y'all about to say, why not Ja Station or, or Ja Cube? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, ja class. But Ja this sounds good, man. It sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, bro. And, you know, the Nintendo, uh, the, excuse me, the Nintendo 64 was one of my favorite consoles growing mm-hmm. up. But my first console was Nintendo, you know, the gray one with the purple yep. switches and you got to blow the cartridges, even though you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> Apparently that actually harms the cartridges. Yeah, that harms that, the cartridges. That oh, Nintendo oh, 95, you know what I'm saying? That, that's the one that I had, man. I had that oh, one and I man. played the hell out of Donkey Kong Country. Um, mm-hmm. A lot Super of different games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Super Nintendo was one of my favorite consoles as a youth. Youth, even though the Nintendo 64 just blew that one out of the water, in my opinion, man. But yeah. what uh, what about the Nintendo specifically did you enjoy? Um, <clears throat> That's interesting, right? I mean, because I've been playing it ever since I was a child. Like, I remember my older sister and older cousin would tell me that, like, when I was a baby, when they'd be playing Super Nintendo they would give me the old Nintendo controller just so that I thought that I was playing with them, just so that I wouldn't be crying. So by the time I was four years old, I was already playing Nintendo, Sega Genesis. And, um, you know, I definitely got into, like, the series, uh, like, The Legend of Zelda. Mm -hmm. And just that whole adventurous aspect, going to different parts of the land and all these different buildings and temples that he would go into and different natural environments. It's like, you know what? I really enjoy this one. I go outside. I want to be doing that kind of thing. I want to be outside in the woods by the beach and the nature, you know? So even though I enjoyed, you know, playing the video games and I still do who I am as a person, like you mentioned before, I just like to be outside (laughs) in the nature, visiting temples kind of redundant but you know what it is yeah yeah i see i wasn't really much of an outside fan until i left the country which is so ironic right Mm -hmm. like i was i was kind of an indoors kid too and it wasn't just like i was always playing games but i was more so always to myself reading books writing poetry writing raps um even with my cousin she used to produce beats so we in the house all day long i'm listening to the, the beats that she makes i'm freestyling over them i'm going back and writing got all these ideas so i was definitely an inside kid but once i got outside of my comfort zone I began to explore things that made me uncomfortable, which is being outside in the middle of nowhere where I don't know any of these street signs, but I'm enjoying where I am. In a foreign country. (laughs) It was the foreign country that woke that up to me, man. And it's so ironic that that's what happened, man. I didn't want to explore my home country, but once I got out of there, I was trying to explore everything that I could. 
And that's why I love the experience that I saw you going through. Or it's, uh, that's why I love the experience that you were having in Japan, yeah. man. I was on that Black in Japan group, not posting at first, just really trying to get ideas about what I could do, what I yeah. wanted to do. But I wasn't really sure where we were accepted as Americans first and then Black men next. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw you doing things. I was like, damn, they, like, they don't care what he is or where you're going. You know, they, like, they don't care. They just chilling. He were around the locals. Yeah. Like, you know, like he'd been here before, you know, what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that inspired me, man. It really made uh-huh. me be like, OK, cool. I can go here. I can go to this restaurant that I've never been before. Even if I can't read the menu, I've yeah. seen Jatendo do it. You know what I'm saying? And I know you, <laughs> your, your, your Japanese is far more advanced than mine. You see what I'm saying? I know no Japanese. And I still I don't even know that much. Man, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I lasted six months over there. And I I mean, the only thing I can do is just be nice. You know what I'm saying? I can smile. Right. I can nod my head. And uh, and people still accepted me for who that I was. was like I said, man, while, the, while these microphones are on, I do want to say that you did inspire me to do a lot of things that I didn't have the courage to do. Really? Yeah, man, because um, I'm from I'm from northeast Texas. Um, the great state of Texas is, is incredible. Now, I've always said that people can die and go to heaven and I'll stay in Texas. And the reason why I said that is because I love my home. I love what it offers to me. The sun just seems to shine different out here. And a lot of people where I'm from, my small town, they don't ever leave those small country roads. And I was one of those kids growing up, man. It's, I always knew there was something bigger for me out there. I knew that, man, I wasn't going to be here forever. I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't know how I was going to get there. But I knew I wasn't going to stay in small town East Texas forever. There had to be more for me to explore, more for me to do. I just had never seen anybody else do it. Mm. Even when I went to talk to some of my friends and family members about maybe even just going to Arkansas, hell, going to Louisiana, you know what I'm saying? They were just like, (laughs) nah, nah, I wouldn't do that, man. You don't know nobody over there. Don't know nobody. You ain't got no family. You ain't got no friends. You you know what I'm saying? You wouldn't even know how to survive out there on your own. All that past trauma, yeah. Yeah, it stunted my growth. It really did. It made me feel like I wasn't capable of doing something that I knew in my soul I could do. But then I met the partner that I was with at the time, and she she inspired me to be like, okay, cool, you can do this if you want to do it, and if you want to be, um, if you want to be here with me, then please come on and come through. So I said, hell yeah, hell yeah. If you mm-hmm. want me to come help you out, help support, protect, and just overall get more culture in my life, of course I'll do that. And then once I got on the Black in Japan group, I saw people like yourself, my guy like Tyler Crane, and different other people that I met along the way, really making their stamp in japan i was like dog there's nothing i can do i can do anything like for real man (laughs) i was i was hella inspired because i saw people that looked like me doing Mm -hmm. things that i knew in my soul i could do nobody had ever just expressed me to go out there and get it done yeah absolutely man and like i remember during that time because when I had discovered your Instagram page, this was during like the very beginning of the pandemic. So it's like, you know, I was going outside, like you said, taking pictures, just being outside. Cause they're like, Oh no, stay inside. And I'm like, I already had a bad winter. I'm getting outside. I'm not yeah. on any of this. I need fresh air. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I see you on Instagram doing the same thing on the other side of the country. And I'm like, 
oh shoot, this is deep. Yeah, <laughs> man. We I gotta call this guy. Be like, yo, I'm on the other side of the country right now. Like, yo, yeah, let's chop yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah, man. We was getting hella active, bro. And I'm so proud Absolutely. of us for doing that because I didn't Absolutely. see any of us getting out there and doing it solo. You know, I had a partner, but she was busy, so yeah. I was by myself for the most part. And whenever she had time on her off days, I bring her to the places that I explored and kind of yeah. show her what was safe for us to do and things that yeah. I found would be entertaining. But for the most part, solo dolo in them streets, my guy, yeah. you know, and it felt good to do so. I'm not much of a solo traveler. I like going with my friends places and experiencing things with people that I love, but to do it solo. Um, once again, that was one of the things you inspired me to do. Just get out there and get it done regardless of who's around, man. So w- w- where are you from and what do you do? Got you. So, I was born and raised in New Rochelle, New York, New Rochelle, mm-hmm. New York, and I uh, moved to Connecticut when I was like 15, Norwalk, Connecticut. Um, <clears throat> me, my main thing is music, graphic design, video games, outside of the electronics, um, like a mix of different martial arts, capoeira, taekwondo, karate. Uh, a little bit of Muay Thai, boxing. I'm I'm into it all, you know, as mm-hmm. well as just hiking, going to the beach, swimming. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Pretty simple, yeah. Well-versed man. And it makes sense, too, because it seemed like anywhere you went, you were able to just gel with wherever you were. And it's because of the discipline that you exude when you're mm-hmm. in people's faces, man. You really do have this, this calm, inviting spirit that allows people to be themselves. Therefore, you can be who you need to be. So, yeah, once again, man, I commend you on being who you are. Uh, what was your first... Um, I want to say, what's your first experience with uh, another country? Because I know you said you're from New Rochelle and you moved to Connecticut, but what was your first experience with another culture? Huh. What was my first experience with another culture? Um, hmm. That's hard to say because in the States, you know, it's a multicultural. I guess like we're in a melting pot, yes, but mm. it's kind of diluted because everyone is aiming toward this quote-unquote American type of, you know, way of living. So yeah. you only get little bits and pieces of, you know, experiencing another culture 100%, you know? Yeah, man. Um, I could say, like, actually, you know what? I'd say the deepest other culture that I had experienced before going to Japan was when I had started um, practicing capoeira. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because when I had st- uh, started practicing capoeira, you know, um, all of the moves are spoken in Brazilian por- uh, Portuguese. The songs that we sing are sung in Brazilian Portuguese. And um, when I started going to different events with my teacher and different classes all throughout New York City, I'm meeting a whole bunch of uh, Brazilians for the first time. And they look just like you and me. They look just like Hispanic people. They look just like white people because Brazil is also a melting pot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd say that was my first time really being in like another culture because capoeira just has such a deep history and to emulate it in the future you're still experiencing a part of that yeah and um because i was so open to you know jumping in those uh games and learning all that and traveling the different places within you know the states 
it had opened my mind up to like, hey, you know what? Like, I've always wanted to go to Japan. Let me let me get that off my bucket list. You mm-hmm. know? And wasn't it a video game that inspired you uh, to yeah. go to Japan or really just experience some of the things <laughs> that Japan had to offer? Yo, so let's see. So when I was in, I think it was like what fourth grade, I remember, you know, every other weekend I would go to Blockbuster. You know, my dad would take me to Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I would just rent a video game, rent a video game. So this one time I see this game and it was called uh, Mystical Ninja starring Goemon. And I was like, yo, let me rent this, you know, like it was just cool because like he was like a cartoon looking character, kind of looked similar to Mario, but didn't, like didn't have a mustache. He had like blue spiky hair, had on like a red ninja suit. And he was just like this cartoony looking character. So, I, mm-hmm. you know, I turn on the game and everything in the game that was that was represented was just like 100% Japanese. It was like, it was kind of like playing, it was kind of like watching a Japanese anime cartoon, but in Nintendo 64 graphics based in the Edo era, era of Japan, which was like, you know, the samurai ninja era and everything about the game, the good guys, the bad guys, the settings, the music, everything. Mm-hmm. was Japanese and that was my first time through the medium of video games experiencing Japan because you know like when you play Zelda you don't really get a Japanese experience from that when you play Mario right. you don't get a Japanese experience from that when mm-hmm. you play Sonic you don't get a Japanese experience from that but when you play any Goemon game Gambare Goemon which means like go like Goemon do your best you get that experience. And I said to myself, like, ah, okay. So this is Japan. In the future, I need to go there. You know? mm, yeah, man. And then how did you get there? By playing video games? Or was there something <laughs> else <laughs> that brought you to Japan? <laughs> well, interestingly enough, um, I had gotten there by, well, part of it was, you know, I was, I think, what, 20, 28 at the time. And I was just going through a lot. Um, and I had said to myself, like, you know what? I need to demystify, you know, this whole video game anime, you know, life that I kind of attached to myself. I need to figure out um, art imitates life. I need to figure out what about Japanese life is imitated through this art and like, what makes it what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. So I remember one of my buddies, uh, my boy Jonathan from uh, New York, uh, I met him at one of the uh, Afropunk festivals, uh, Afropunk 2015. And I remember he had posted on his Facebook some pictures from Tokyo. And I was like, yo, like, how did you afford to get to Tokyo? And he was like, oh, you know, like I sold some of my skateboards. I was like, word? He was like, yeah. So I was looking around, uh, I was looking around my mother's apartment at the time, and I'm like, what do I have that I can sell that will help me finance, you know, getting to Japan? And I'm like, ah, my video games. The video games that I've collected from when I was four up until 28. So that's Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, 
Nintendo 64. Man, you Stay unlocked the vault. <laughs> <laughs> um, freaking PlayStation 2, GameCube, Nintendo Wii. Man, I'm telling you, week after week, I was putting those games up for bid. Like, I mean, yeah, I was putting the games up for bid because, like, you know, you want people to fight for the games and yeah. kind of compete for it. So, you know, I would set the price low and then just watch it build, 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 build. I sold all the games. I was able to, to amass uh, an extra 2000 bucks on top of what I was saving. And um, I took that trip out there. You know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I had uh, I had applied to this company called Interac and um, that company basically recruits foreigners from all over the world to uh, live and teach, well, live and work as like a teacher's aide and help teach English in Japan, different mm -hmm. parts of Japan. So I went through them. Wow. Yeah, I know a lot of people that I met over there that were doing the JET program. Yeah. Um, a ton a of people that did the jet program. I'm like, damn, man, I, I didn't even know anything about programs like that. It, just for anybody that speaks English fluently, yeah. uh, you can you go teach English. Yeah, you can go teach English anywhere in the world, y'all. There's a lot yeah. of people that want to learn English. So mm -hmm. if you have a bachelor's degree and then some of them don't even require you having a certificate, uh, I'm telling yeah. them Cam sent you, but yeah, it's real. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can go and actually go to some of these countries that you've been dreaming of going to and do what you already do in America and that's speak English. So Absolutely. make sure that whatever you're doing and however you want to do it, you know, just make sure that you're happy about what you got going on. Sell all your favorite games and maybe you, too, can be like <laughs> Nintendo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I know I went over there March 9th. I did mention that March 9th, 2020. Houston shut down March 11th. Uh, when was your first trip over there? So um, I had went there. I had landed on March 21st, 2019. A year before almost me. Yeah, yeah almost an yeah. entire year before me so you got there yeah, right that's another coincidence <laughs> yeah that's a, that's another that's another coincidence man and it's a blessing too because yeah. you know you got the chance to go and do things that you wanted to do on your dollar i was on somebody else's dollar but i still got the chance to be able to, to enjoy the country however yeah. i saw fit man but um something magical happened i know a lot of people say oh it was detrimental it was it was sad it was terrible but it was magical for me because mm -hmm. when I got there, it seemed like the world shut down and people yeah. started paying attention more to uh, their friends and family and their overall health. And mm -hmm. I'm not going to say luckily for us, but truly, luckily for us, we yeah. were in a country that never officially shut down. Now, everybody did limit their traveling and mm -hmm. they were very respectful to other people whenever we were out in public. But for the most part, we oh, got yeah. to do whatever we wanted to do while our loved ones, friends, and everybody else back home were dealing with a country that was shut down, man. How did it make you feel leaving the country and then a year later seeing that it's not the same country that you left? Um, it honestly bugged me out because, um, <clears throat> for example, when the pandemic had started in the States, one of like the very first places that it started was actually in my hometown of New wow. Rochelle, New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It yeah. was on the northern side of New Rochelle, New York. And I'm over in Japan looking at the news like, yo, what the heck? Like, you mean to tell me that like the epicenter of this pandemic starting in this country is in my hometown? Like, yeah. what the heck is going on? I remember family like sending me pictures like, um, yeah, like the National Guard is uh, I'm here, you know, like serving out lunches and stuff like that. And 
people waiting in line. I'm like, what the heck is going on? I'm over in Japan and not even like a lockdown. They're just saying like, hey, like, you know, like, like uh, you can choose to go outside or not. I'm like, well, I'm going outside and I'm going to experience this. And there weren't that many people around. So it was like everyone was saying social distancing. I was like, all right, well, that's what everyone's doing. I'm social distancing. I'm not around anyone. I'm just outside for the most part. Yeah, yeah. And, and I had never really heard of social distancing at all. As a matter of fact, before I even got on the plane, I remember going on Amazon.com and looking for masks just because I wanted... I mean, it sounds lame now, but I was like, I want a cool mask to wear while I'm oh, over there. Because, you know, I know they'd be wearing masks over there. This is before yeah, I even yeah, knew anything yeah, yeah. about the pandemic, right? I'm just yes. like, I know they wear a mask over there. So I'm like, man, let me get it. They cool- they're wearing masks when I got there back in 2019. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, they've dealt with different issues uh, before in the past, and they got through yeah. it as a country together. Mm-hmm. But I was like, man, let me get a, ma- a cool mask to wear to make sure that I can blend in with the people and whatnot. But then I found out once I got there, oh, I definitely needed all of these masks. Yeah. I, they, yeah. These are not – this is not a fashion statement. Yeah. This is a health crisis. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, Absolutely. And then going and seeing – um my hometown and then seeing Houston, Texas, where I was living at the time, mm. just completely shut down and go haywire. I'm talking about people randomly buying a bunch of toilet paper. I still don't yeah. understand what the fuck that was about. That people, was whack. People upselling cleaning products and whatnot. Why wasn't cleaning y'all house before the pandemic? Like, what the hell's <laughs> going on? Why is Lysol $50 a sheet? Oh it's weird to me, funny. man. But News outlets telling people to wash their hands. I'm like, so who wasn't washing their hands? Before? Exactly, man. Oh. It was confusing, but it shows you kind of that uh, American ignorance and some of the things that America does last minute. That just it's not helpful to anybody, man. We don't really think of each other as much as we claim to think about each other, man. And I noticed that when I got to Japan with the way they were treating everyone, man, I go to the grocery store and it was like um, a community event. You go to the grocery store, see some of the people that you see in your neighborhood. Y'all are all shopping for food and nobody's hoarding anything. You get what you need and leave the rest for everybody else. If Mm -hmm. you need more. Finish what you've already gotten. Come back and get more. But as as far as going and taking like twenty five different bags of toilet paper and buying yeah. up all the bleach, no, that never once happened. Yeah. I never once saw a shortage in any grocery store. And anytime I did go to the grocery store, everybody was kind. There was no rushing, no yeah. fighting, no complaining. It yeah. felt like life was going on as normal, even though we were dealing with such a tragic event. Absolutely. Whenever you were out there, see, because I said, man, you know, I was on the other side of the country. You on the other side of the country as well. Yeah. (laughs) Both of us, even though we were on different sides of the country, I still feel like we felt felt the same peaceful vibes whenever we went to some of the places we went. Do you remember some of those places you went that made you feel more enlightened, made you feel at peace? Let's see. Right. Let me. Um. Let me just hop through my Instagram real quick and look. Yeah, he going to the IG. And what's that IG? What's that IG? Let's tell him him that. J-A-H-T-E-N-D-O. Jatendo. Jatendo. Make sure y'all go over to Instagram and check out at J-A-H-T-E-N-D-O. So let's see. To answer your question, right? So let's see. Some of the most peaceful places, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just go off memory, right? So at the time when you were in Osaka, right? Mm-hmm. I was yeah. in I was in Fukushima. So when a lot of people, you know, hear Fukushima, 
they're thinking of the uh, they're thinking of the 2011, you know, uh, nuclear uh, meltdown, earthquake, tsunami. Um, Fukushima is basically like broken up into three parts. The East Coast, which was hit really hard by the tsunami, um, the valley in the middle, which basically where I was, I was like right around the corner from uh, Fukushima City and um, and uh, then the West Coast. So by the time that I had gotten there, this was in 2020 when I was in Fukushima, um, it wasn't as like damaged like as it used to be. Like the towns and the cities were fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, let's see. There was this one. There was this one mountain that I had hiked up a few times in Fukushima, and it was called. Oh, I'm trying to remember the name. I'll just give the translation for now. But it was basically Spirit Mountain. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> that no. was the translation. Yeah. It, was, it was called Spirit Mountain, and mm-hmm. um, I remember just like hiking up there, being up there. It was just nice and quiet. I was able to see all of Fukushima City, um, and it was just beautiful you know I, like i love hiking i love nature um what else was great just going to um ah hanami yama so hanami means like hanami means to look at the flowers look at like whatever's blooming and then yama means mountain so mm. it's like the flower viewing mountain and this was during the spring you know like late march and I would go there every week just to track the uh, um, growth patterns of the cherry blossoms. And Mm. when everything was in full bloom, I mean, like there were flowers all over the mountains, all different kinds of flowers. It was great, you know? Um, What else was great out there? I mean, simply just riding your bike like through the rice fields mm-hmm. <laughs> was mm-hmm. a good time you know what i mean yeah man i used to love the countryside bro and, oh, and like goodness. you said going through those rice fields seeing people out there working yeah. um, seeing older people with their backs Seniors. hunched over because they've worked so much in those yeah. rice fields that their backs have literally conformed to just being bent over um, yeah. and then talking to those countryside people uh i didn't have much to say to them but whenever it was time to do some language exchange and whatnot i was all for it like hey you know oh. english Let, let's chop it up you you know, and let's mm-hmm. talk and let's kind of introduce me to what's going on. I've had a lot of meals at people's homes, which I thought Same. was uncommon. You know, I didn't know that they would just invite me into their place like that. But people were inquisitive about me just as much as I was about them. Yeah. And they wanted me to experience their country from somebody that knew their country as opposed to some tourist book or some travel guide or something like that. So I'm blessed to be in Japan at the time I was in because there weren't a lot of tourists there. Either you live there or you work there at the time. It wasn't yeah, you know, in between, yeah, true. You know what I'm saying? True, true. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I remember a lot of the peaceful things that took place during cherry blossom season. Like, no matter where you went, where the cherry blossoms were, it was incredible, man. Did you have a newfound love for cherry blossoms once you got over there? Honestly, I had a newfound love for the color pink. <laughs> because, <laughs> because, like, because, all right. Because you know how it is, like, you know, we're guys and... Well, for the most part, like our favorite colors may be like red, blue, green. You know what I'm saying? But like, you say pink, you're like pink. But after seeing those cherry blossoms, I'm like, yo, my favorite colors are blue, green, brown, and pink. <laughs> yeah, man. All the shades of pink. Yeah, all the shades right? of pink. Oh, my goodness. 
and they smelled good too. I mean, like it was just wild seeing it too. Cause I remember walking through the rice fields and just seeing like some trees and it would just be like blotches of pink, 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 pink. You'd see it on the mountains. I'm like, this is, this is kind of surreal. This is nuts. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it was also great too, because when you're in like the countryside of Japan, like, yeah, like they still have like cities and towns, but at the same time, they also have like this interesting fusion where like they will let weeds grow like on like certain sidewalks. They'll let the grass kind of grow a little wild. Like nature is still a very big part of, you know, um, their modern day life. Mm hmm. And I noticed that too whenever I saw people biking more and then like having these 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 uh places to pray like near parking lots and then mm-hmm. seeing how there'd be like full on untouched lots where it's just like trees and all kind of stuff growing right next yeah. to office buildings. I'm like, wow, yeah. there is a full on shrine in the middle of the city and <laughs> nobody's gonna and nobody's gonna do anything, nobody's gonna run this over and put a parking lot, nothing. No, the they still it. very much natural things that come along with being in that country that I just appreciate. Even aesthetically, it looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it's interesting, like how you mentioned before that you know, we were doing the same thing, just going to different temples and just praying, you know, um, um praying to our own God, because you know, whenever you pray. You're just praying, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was also like we were also doing that because there was so much hurt and pain in the world, and we felt it. And we were far from our friends and family back yeah. in the states, so mm-hmm. we were kind of just like in this spiritual mode. It's like, all right, you know what? I'm checking the map. Where's the shrines? I'm going to all these shrines. I'm going to yeah. all these uh, hot springs. And just every temple that I go to, I'm just like, just grateful for this day, grateful for the night before, grateful for the food that I have, grateful that, you know, family's safe, just praying that everyone is okay in this world because it was a very difficult, confusing time, you know? Yeah, I agree, man. Gratefulness is one of the main things that going to those temples and shrines taught me because you're right, man. We saw people back home suffering and in a state of confusion. And I'm blessed to wake up every morning and be able to just go to a temple and pray, yeah. go to fire rituals, um, silent retreats, and then going and drinking a bunch of tea and sake and, and not really being concerned about the outside yeah. world like that. It was a blessing. Yeah. And like, and like it was pretty wild too because. I remember like when I had first um, found your Instagram um, from the Black in Japan page. I'm like, yo, who's this dude that kind of looks like me with his hands in prayer going to all these other temples <laughs> on the other side of the country? Like, yo, wait, what? What's going on? Yeah, man. I'm like, I'm doing the same thing. I'm like, yo, I definitely got to hit the definitely got to hit up the party next weekend. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm and I'm, I'm glad you did. We were already discussing that stuff, man. Like we were discussing, you know, just just chopping it up and linking up before we even had this conversation over the microphones, man. Yeah. And, and what I love about what you just said was uh, it's about praying and going to these temples, man. Nobody at these temples forced any religion onto me. I hope they didn't do that to you. It was simply about bringing what your beliefs are to the temple and being righteous about your intentions. A lot of the times I'd be there all damn day. Nobody asked me for a single dollar. Nobody asked me to join the ter- church. Nobody told me I wasn't a member, so I had to get out. As a matter of fact, if I wanted to, they probably would let me stay overnight. 
if it yeah. was, you know, if it was sweet like that, you know, they really did care about what I had going on. There was some things that I learned about religion and beliefs over there that I had never heard of in America because America made it seem like you can only serve this God. You can only pray to this person. If you go to church, you need to be a member of that church. You need to be paying your tithes. You need to make sure that you're there every Sunday for Sunday school, for the first service, second service, and then the final service. You need to make oh sure you're there God. Wednesday night. You know, you need to make sure you're there. <laughs> Yeah, like it's 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 almost like indoctrination, which I'm glad that people have that. I feel like a lot of people need faith in order to be moral. But for a lot of us, we just need the opportunity to express ourselves without anybody else hindering us. That way we can figure out what's going on. And I got the chance to do that. I went on a full spiritual journey while I was out there. Because while I was supporting that my partner at the time, I wanted to make sure that my household was on point spiritually. So therefore, we weren't shaken by any of the madness that was going on outside of those four walls. And it, it was good. It was good for me. It really was something that I still, to this day, damn near three years later, hold near and dear to my heart. As a matter of fact, when y'all go check out our Instagrams, you'll see how pure our intentions were whenever we went to these spaces. We didn't go to many spaces um, uh, we didn't go to any spaces together, but we did go to nope. one spot separately that I uh, love talking yeah. about, man. And that's Nara, Japan. I love oh, Nara, the first capital of the great country of Japan. Absolutely. Before, oh, yeah, true. You know, and that's Nara true. is unique because it has these national treasures that walk around that can <laughs> be touched. Well, you can't touch them, but you can't hurt them in any shape, form, or fashion. And if you do, that's your ass, Mr. Postman. <laughs> talking about, and they'll hurt you. Yeah, <laughs> we're really talking will. about that. Hurt they you. Really will they? And I and I've told stories about you know how they <laughs> did gang up on people that played with them. But um, <laughs> if you don't know much about Nara Japan, Nara is known to have deer walking around. It is a large deer park, as well as one of the biggest giant Buddhas in the country, and mm -hmm. also resides in nara and one of the things i learned about being in nara was how small i am and how important it is to appreciate nature in all of its forms i'm from east texas bro i ain't never been that close to a deer without it being dead or about to shoot it you see what i'm saying but being close to these deer that smell like outside look like outside <laughs> they're not trained so i don't know what they're gonna do to me and mm -hmm. be able to just walk by them being able to hold some simbe up to my crown chakra for that yeah. deer to walk up to me and bow. It yeah. was, it was surreal. It made me feel like I was seen spiritually. It's almost if like one of my ancestors walked up to me in the form of a deer and oh, honored nice. me by bowing. You know, did you get the chance to, to relax with the deer and experience some of the things that I was just talking about? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> what's really cool too, is that so so you went to Nara Park during the spring of 2020, right? Yes, sir. Sakura season. I had gotten there during autumn of 2020. So we were there the same <laughs> year, just, just different seasons. I'm telling yep, you, like, just yep. like, <laughs> different seasons, that's our man. theme. That's our theme. You know what it I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And um, to answer your question, yes. I mean, that was literally one of my favorite parts of Japan because... Oh, man, like just to just be able to feed animals like they come up to you. Like I bought so many of those simbes, those um, those freaking rice crackers. Like, yeah, just, just constantly feed them. I even ate a few myself. I was like, oh, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Yeah, they're pretty good. They're yeah. pretty good. <laughs> but like 
it was just so cool to just have that experience to where you can just be at a park that there's just a whole bunch of animals. I mean, a whole bunch of deer walking around. And if you have the cracker, they'll come up to you. And like you said before, you put the cracker to your crown, you bow, they bow, and then you give them the cracker and they're just chilling out. And one I've of the had coolest... a few of them, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like it was mm -hmm. great. I loved it. Yeah, and, and what I loved about it the most is the time in which we were there. A lot of these places are usually crowded with visitors. And when mm -hmm. I was there, it was I probably count maybe a hundred, two hundred people that were there all day long, as opposed yeah. to the thousands that are there in an hour. What did it feel like for you, not only in Nara, but in all the other places you went to be at places that are usually crowded, but now they're just empty? Man, I mean it felt good because everyone knows that like well when it comes to japan like many of their streets are small many of the buildings and the structures are all small like everyone knows how to live amongst each other in very close quarters and then you multiply that times whatever amount of you know foreigners are visiting as well <laughs> especially when it comes to big places like nara park you know mm -hmm. it would just be hectic but Luckily for us, during that year, during a soft shutdown, you know, a soft quarantine, it, there just wasn't that many people. And we were just really just able to just uh, experience it for ourselves, really, mm -hmm. you know, even mm -hmm. going to the temples and going to the many various shrines and hot springs and bathhouses. It's just it wasn't crowded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I got to experience some of that natural energy that these temples were mm, built mm. on. You know, I got to fill these things without somebody walking up and trying to take a thousand Instagram pictures, yeah. or people just being there yelling and and talking and complaining, yeah. or you yeah. know, just just it just being cluttered. I, I don't mm. like cluttered spaces, same. especially people that aren't there for the same intentions that I am or yeah. near those intentions. I'm not saying we all got to be there to pray. I ain't saying we yeah. all got to be there to have a spiritual experience. But mm -hmm. it is nice to show up to places where those things are meant to happen. You yeah. get to actually feel those things without Absolutely. anybody else, anybody else bothering you or somebody yeah, knocking you out of your rhythm. It. Yeah, yeah, man. And it's hard sometimes, even in the West, it's hard to mm. gain that type of feeling. I noticed mm. that, man. I can go to a temple right now in the West and it don't feel like a temple. It feels like a money grab. You know, it feels mm -hmm. like even the even the paint on the walls don't feel like it don't feel real. You know, but I over there in Japan, I just saw the architecture, all of the intention, all of the the love, care, and respect they took into building these places. All oh, the yeah. love, love, care, and respect they took into maintaining these spots. These places mm -hmm. are thousands upon thousands of years old, still holding strong, and it's due to that pride and respect that they have for their country. I just adored it, and I have a brand new admiration for those people because of what I saw firsthand. Absolutely. What did you um notice about being American in those spaces? Was it did anybody treat you any differently? Did you feel different at all, or did you feel like you kind of felt felt you know felt like Goemon out there? You know what I'm saying? Just didn't have <laughs> just didn't have the the red garb, <laughs> the red garb and the blue hair. Um, let's see, right? Because when I was in Japan, I had I was there for about two years, but I had lived in three different prefectures. So I was in Aomori Prefecture, which is the second northernmost prefecture um, 
which is right before Hokkaido. Uh, that's at the top of uh, the Tohoku region. Uh, then I was in Fukushima, and then I was in Aichi Prefecture, which is uh, close to uh, Nagoya City, not too far from uh, Osaka, Kyoto, and Nara. Mm-hmm. But um, let's see. Like When I had first touched down in Japan... Um, of course I felt different, but it was also like, it was just so much for me to take in that my main focus was just like, okay, what do I have to do next? And how do I get over this anxiety? Because I'm going to be dealing with, you know, anxiety just about every day, every morning, even contemplating, just go into the market. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Because before I had gotten to Japan, I didn't know any Japanese. Mm-hmm. I remember like a lot of people were like, yo, how are you going? And, I mean, and many people were asking me like, yo, like, how are you going to go to Japan? And you don't know any Japanese whatsoever. And I was like, I'll learn it when I get there. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I will mm-hmm. acquire it through um, assimilation, through proximity, through just being there. Mm-hmm. Everyone says that the best way to learn a language is to go to the country and survive <laughs> yeah immer- you know immerse yourself man it's yeah, different immerse. when you going for a vacation you can go for a couple of days or something like that a weekend out of the country cool cool whatever well, that's yeah. a waste of money but if you really want to enjoy yeah, your yeah. time you really want to experience what that country has to offer you need mm-hmm. to take an extended stay and yeah. go out there and really immerse yourself in the culture like i feel like six months anywhere is a great sample size of whether or not you want to be there and i'm glad oh, that absolutely. you understood that with your time being over there just like hey i don't even need to know the language i'll go immerse myself in it and because i have the wit and the brilliance i'll be able to make it happen just put me in the place i'll be able to do the rest yeah <laughs> just send me over there i'll do it yeah, and, and i mean i started learning language um interestingly enough like let's see so for example like if i did have like some weird interactions with the japanese people over there i never felt like completely isolated but it was also one of those things like within their culture and this is completely fine you know there's levels to their boundaries some people will let you in more than others and that's completely fine you know they have times for themselves where it's just like all right like this is just a strictly japanese thing no foreigners that's fine mm-hmm. okay and then uh um and then on the other spectrum of that okay yeah sure invite him in that's completely fine mm-hmm. um if anything some of the worst, well, not even worse, but just some of like the just uncomfortable or, you know, tensions that I've had with other people were really just with, just with other foreigners. Uh-huh. Yeah. Same. <laughs> you know, same. I'm like, I'm like, yo, like I'm here. Why are you acting like I don't belong here? But it doesn't matter what you think. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what's so wild because I had most of my issues with foreigners. When I talked to Japanese people, I realized that they weren't against me. They're just for themselves. I'm perfectly yeah. fine with that. Yeah, that's completely fine. Like, I'm not going to be mad at you because you're for, this is your country. These are your people. The first time I saw a no foreigner sign, I was like, damn, I feel I feel disrespected, you know, because we black. So I'm like, oh, segregation. Oh, yeah. this is fucked up. But then I thought about it for a moment. They didn't say no black people. They said no foreigners. 
You yeah. know what I'm saying? Look, I ain't, I ain't, listen, you can be where you want to be from, but you're not Japanese, and that's what we're trying to preserve. We're and trying it's also to preserve like, us. And it's also like, cool, I don't want to give you my money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. That's also yeah. a thing. I'd rather people be up front with the, where their alliances are as opposed to being you know, sneaky about it or being yeah. backhanded with their compliments or with their yeah. appreciation, man. Just tell me what it you know, is. We can or, you know, putting weird stuff in your food or giving you small portions. Mm-hmm. Trying to rip you off. I'm like, nah. If you don't want me here, just let me know and I'll leave. And right. Yo, no lie. That actually, <laughs> that actually happened in the first town that I was in. Um, mm-hmm. So this was um, Aomori Prefecture, um, no Heji Town, and there were like two ramen shops on the street. The first ramen shop that I went in, like, um. I had uh, um, I had opened the door. Uh, it was like one of those slide doors. This is like a country town. Open the slide door, and um, <laughs> there was like an older lady who was there. She was like, "What do you want?" In Japanese, and mm-hmm. I didn't know that much at the time. I was like, "Oh, hello." I tried to introduce myself. She was like, "No, no, get out." I was like, "All right." So I left, and then walked like a few steps to the other ramen shop, and it was a sweet, you know, um, um, there was this um, sweet older lady um who had owned the ramen shop and she was like oh come in and i was like okay cool yeah that's how it is some people uh-huh. want you in some people don't and i'm like all right bet fine <laughs> yeah i wasn't really ever all a within of- five minutes <laughs> yeah yeah and that's what's wild because I, I i feel like i had that same experience it was at a bar um mm-hmm. but mostly because i didn't understand the language right and i know people are like well you should have learned it before you got there but i was trying it just seems like a lot of the times when I was going to places, I just didn't understand why they didn't want me there. It was cool that you didn't want me there. I just didn't understand why. But that wasn't for me to know. They just, yeah. I just, I got to accept it. You know what I'm saying? I got to accept that I'm just not the patron that they want dining at their establishment, which is perfectly fine. Everybody has the right to refuse service to anybody they feel the need to. Um, it wasn't like I was being belligerent or I was being rude or anything like that. They just rock with who they rock with. And I'm perfectly yeah fine with that i don't want to disrespect anybody or like i said go and dine and i'm gonna get it short short into the stick you know people giving me nasty ass food or making it a bad experience where i don't want to show up anymore and you know, that's the last thing i have to deal with yeah. you know? and they get your money like oh man <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is to get ripped off <laughs> yeah that that's just trash man i will say that one of the main things that i hated about being over there was the fact that i didn't get to enjoy any of the festivals unfortunately when i was there the festivals were not a thing at all even when people had to go i think they call it um go, like they go, when is that when they go back to their hometowns i'm not sure what that's uh, called um, so that is the summer festival called uh-huh. obone Ongbon, yes, yes. I was O-B-O-N, actually O-B-O-N, O-B-O-N. Mm-hmm. I was actually in Tokyo uh, when that took place, and uh, like, people were still going back home, but then they were telling them not to because it could cause you know super spreading and all this other yeah. stuff. So I didn't get to enjoy a lot of the festivals uh, and festivities that the country had to offer. Can you think of any festivals that you got to enjoy while you were over there? So <clears throat> because I had touched down. In Japan in 2019, I was still able to experience what Japan was like pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. So that summer, 2019, when I was in um, Noheji Town, I was able to uh, partake uh, in their Obone Festival. Nice, nice. And I'm telling you, I mean, just like <sighs> so. I'll explain it like this, right? 
so I remember during that summer, um, I didn't have like any work to do. Everyone was on summer vacation. So I didn't have much to do, not that much money either. Um, so early in the morning, I would drive to the beach and I would swim all day. Like literally, I would be at that beach from like maybe like 11 a.m. up until like it closed, like until five. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm just like, all right, let me just chill out. You know, like, like um, um, there was like a little um, shop there that had like some food. I got some food in between and I would just swim, just just enjoy being at that beach all day. And then when the beach would, would close, um, I would drive to the uh, local park and like the park was kind of like situated like on like a hill. So I would, you know, just uh, run up and down. I would exercise this, you know, like this was close to like sundown, close to nighttime or whatever. And mm-hmm. then after that, I would go home. But one of the days I remember um, after the beach, I went to the park. And while I was at the park, I would hear this music playing. I would hear like flutes playing. I'd hear like these drum r- rhythms. like And I'm like, yo, where's that coming from? Eh, whatever. Drive home. Next day, back at the park. Hear it again. I'm like... Where is that coming from? All right. Anyway, go back home. Third day, back at the park, <laughs> hearing the drums again. I'm like, you know what? Wait a minute. I need to follow. <laughs> I need to follow my ears and figure out where this sound is coming from. <laughs> so, what you call it? Um, you ever play uh, the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time? Hell yeah. <laughs> so, um, Remember, for example, when you're in like the Lost Woods and like you have to follow the music to get to. Yes, sir. I know exactly where you're going with this. (laughs) (laughs) You did the same shit. (laughs) So, mind you, right? Like, I have my car parked at the park and I'm like, all right, I'm going to walk and figure out where this music is coming from. So, I'm walking through these streets. Okay, no. All right, to the left, straight, right. And then all of a sudden, I come across like a whole bunch of people. Um, I see, uh, um, I also saw two of my uh, junior high school students, um, they were in their uh, athletic gear mm-hmm. um, because in Japan, um, all of the students, the boys and the girls, uh, they wear two types of uniforms. Um, they wear their formal wear, which uh, they wear their formal uniforms, which basically look like uh, naval uniforms, like the boys um wear like uh black suits and pants um and then like the girls wear like these uh navy blue like sailor dresses you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um and then their other type of uniform is uh basically like uh their sports jumpsuits so Mm -hmm. that's like when they go to gym and when they do their after school activities you know they're in their sports jumpsuits so i saw two of my students there and then i saw like some babies, some toddlers, adults, seniors, and they're just all there just practicing music. So I go up to the director and I tell him, uh, I mean, so I go up to the director and I basically explain to him in the best Japanese that I could, like, はじめまして、私の名前はジャキンです。私の仕事はのヘジ中学校、私は英語の先生。
私は音楽を勉強した大学に。So, to translate that really quickly, I had said, Hello, nice to meet you. My name is Jaquim.、Um, I am the English teacher at the Noheji Junior High School.、Um, I studied、uh, music、um, <clears throat> in college and、uh, I just want to、uh, observe and just see like, what y'all are doing. And he's like, Okay, sure. And I was given that okay because I,、uh, I was given that okay because the junior high school students knew and recognized me.、Um, and also because I, I mean,、um, and also because I was a teacher.、Mm-hmm. So when the people in town know that, okay, this foreigner who's living here is also teaching the children, they're like,、oh, okay, so he's、You're、basically,、cool. yeah, he's cool.、Mm-hmm. He's cool. He's、mm-hmm. one of us. So he's like, yeah, sure. So, you know, as I'm watching, he's like, Do you want to try? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I'm trying the drums.、Um, I didn't play the flute, but like,、um, you know, like uh, uh, I was trying the drums. I was、uh, um, playing with the little cymbals or whatever. And as I kept on practicing, they were like, hey, well, do you want to like、uh, practice with us? And like, would you like to perform with us? Like, come to festival time? And I was like, yeah, sure. So they had me walk into the community center. I signed up my name, address, all that stuff. And they were like, all right,、um, come back here two times a week until the festival. And then when it comes time for o b o n e you will perform with us.、I'm、like, okay. So when it came time for the festival, <clears throat>、um, they,、ah, so when it came time to the festival,、um, mm-hmm. Um, everyone who was performing were wearing、uh, what they call a yukata.、Mm-hmm. So, yukata is similar to a kimono, but people wear yukata during the summer yeah.、Um, uh, because, uh, because it's made out of cotton.、Um, and it's just it's made out of cotton, and it's just a lot cooler to wear.、Uh, mm-hmm. Cooler in the sense that like, it keeps your body cool you、mm-hmm. know, like, during the summer. So, when it came time for the festival, they dressed me up in traditional garb. and... I was parading through the streets playing the taiko drum with them. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, you mean to tell me I'm playing the taiko drum in this you know, ancestral festival? Like, this is, this is amazing. This is just like that video game, Goemon. Like, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I like, literally got to experience what I've always wanted to experience, you know? That And is... that, was, that was also like one of my greatest memories there, just to just. Play like these natural drums during a festival, and everyone is just in like just this great mood. People are drinking, <laughs> like,、mm-hmm. yeah, man. Like, you know, you're seeing the teachers, the students everywhere. Like, all my students were surprised, they're like, Ah,、oh, Mr. Jaquim. I'm like, Yeah, hey, they're like, How did he get in the festival? Yes,、yeah, how did he do that? And I just so happened to follow the music, that's、mm-hmm. how I did it. And the other、yes. foreigners in town, when they saw me in the garb, they were mad because they were in the festival too, but they just had to push the carts. And I saw them side eyeing me. Yo, I got the meanest side eye ever. I was like, anyway, I'm playing the drums. I don't、yep. care. <laughs> <laughs> That is so cool. It was great, man. It was great. It was as, great. You, 
as you all can tell, we have so many great stories and memories from that country. And I know we have so many more, so many more to share with you all. But I mean, before we even get out of here, man, is there anything else you want to express to the people about your experience in Japan? Because this will be, not be the last episode that I have you on to not only discuss things that we experienced in that country, but things that we're experiencing lately and what we can do to just help everybody out. Absolutely. Um <clears throat> In regards, uh, in regards to Japan, you know, many people ask me like, "Oh, like, how was it?" And I honestly say like, it was a great time, but it was also very challenging as well. You know, um, I was very young, uh, naive uh, in some ways, and I definitely made mistakes. But at the same time, like, karma hits quick in Japan, like. You can transgress and like in 10 minutes, you'll get that karma back. <laughs> yeah. Um, I definitely, you know, made some mistakes, but I had learned from it and I definitely took some L's, but I definitely, you know, came home with some wins as well. And um, I definitely stress. So remember earlier when I was saying how like the United States is a melting pot to mm-hmm. a certain degree, mm-hmm. you know, like... We're in this country with a lot of people who are either like first generation, second, third, or even beyond that, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we live in a country where we know some people who have family in other countries and they go back normally. So like mm-hmm. their perspective on everything is a lot different. Um, what I would like to say for a lot of our people, specifically, you know, black people, is... <clears throat> Just like what you said, an extended stay in another country to really, really grasp and understand the full picture of what's going on. Because coming Mm -hmm. back to the States, you'll move different, you'll look at things different, and the things that used to bother you, you'll be like, oh, that's nothing because I was able to be in a completely different country and, you know, function as my self represent myself you know what Mm. i'm saying yeah i know exactly what you mean and it's something that you can't get from you know a video game or Mm -mm. watching a movie like you have to go there whatever country it is doesn't have to be japan it could be india it could be just somewhere that we usually don't go to you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and just really just be that outsider who gets in and then when you come back to the states you have a whole different way of how you navigate you know what yeah. I'm saying? yeah it's almost like reverse culture shock once yeah. you get back <laughs> oh my goodness yeah but you're right That's man. A whole other podcast <laughs> it's, uh, and we will talk about it on the next episode for sure man but you're right Absolutely. bro it takes more than just playing a video game mm-hmm. looking at some videos online or even going on a vacation for a couple of days Go and try your best to immerse yourself in different cultures so you can find out your true value. A lot yeah, of things in America gaslight you to feel like you can't do anything else. You can't go anywhere else. There's mm-hmm. nothing better than America. But trust me right now, once you get past all of that delusion and gaslighting, you'll realize that you are accepted and appreciated on any soil that you walk. Not only mm-hmm. as an American, but as a black person in America, you can feel like, man, a lot of people don't understand me. They don't want to hear me out. They don't give me a fair shake. There are other countries on this planet that will appreciate you as you are, where you mm-hmm. can go and shed all the anxiety and all of the 
fear-based thinking that you've had your entire life and just be a human being. And that's what we're trying to promote with this episode specifically, the ways that he and I shed all of this doubt, all of this fear, all of the other things that people told us we couldn't do and just decide to bet on ourselves. And once we bet on ourselves, we truly got to get outside of that shell. That's why I cannot thank you enough for joining me on this episode of The Unbiased Truth. Jaquim, a.k.a. Jatendo, make sure you go over to Instagram at J-H-T-E-N-D-O and check out Jatendo. Like every single picture or video that you notice and comment under there and ask him more about his experiences because he's not shy, y'all. We just talked damn near an hour about this and we had so much more to talk about. (laughs) So trust me, y'all. We are going to be here rocking with y'all. I hope that each and every one of you experience some great love and support throughout this episode. As you all know, I am the number one real one Cameron A. Sharp. Yes, I'm Jaquim, aka Jaquendo. Thank you for tuning in and hope to uh, hop back on this podcast soon. Absolutely, my brother. Thank you so much. Y'all take it easy, real ones. Peace. Bye.